Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cast from the Crypt, the comedy podcast all about Tales from the Crypt and everything horrifying and hilarious. I am your host, CJ Roby, and I'm going to be watching an episode of Tales from the Crypt for the very first time ever in my life. Listen, that scary puppet was... Uh, I, I wasn't going to deal with it, okay? All right? And... Honestly, if I wasn't so scared of of the Crypt Keeper and the magic that is puppetry, then uh, I probably I probably wouldn't be here right now. You know, I my my entire life might have been different if I wasn't just living in constant terror of an undead show host coming to get me in my sleep. And and I think it's really what set the fire to be the content creator that I am today. And you know what? We talked about art last episode, but let's talk about content, huh? Let's let's talk about the real heroes out there in the world right now. The content creators and the influencers. Look, it's a hard job, all right? We 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 go through so much to just scrape the bottom of any barrel we come across for any sort of semblance of a scrap of entertainment. But we do it all for you. And it gets harder and harder every year. Like, when when Vine died, I was like, yes, it's my time. I Now... I can bring my long-form humor into the fold now that everyone's, uh, you know, got an attention span of over six seconds. But then, but then just more and more things happened and more streaming services came and entertainment was just branched out. It was so fragmented. And I just, I just miss the days when content was easy, you know, when it was all in one place. And I'm not talking about TV. I'm not even talking about radio. I'm talking about the good old days of content. Ah, yes, the traveling circus. Back when no one had shit to sit down and watch, where all the entertainment was just listening to one-eyed Jim talk about how, uh, oh, the, did you, do you remember the dust storm of 1860? I had to hide under a cow in order to make sure that I didn't get hit by any sort of flying old-timey debris like Model T seats and butter churners. You know, stories like that that go on for like two hours. Uh, but if you, if you wanted some real entertainment, you could just go on down to the traveling circus and do amazing things like get yelled at by a clown, uh, watch a guy shoot real fast. Uh, uh, there's, there's a fat guy who can get shot by a cannon. You can't do that. You know, all the classic circus things. It was a, it was a, a simpler time. All you had to do was c- 
collaborate, big finger quotes right there, collaborate with, like, a family of little people to just, like, keep them in a cage to hang out all day with a little tea set and have people ogle at them. Content. Uh, you gotta, you gotta dude with a bunch of tattoos? Content. So, it's just, I miss it. I want to go back. I've got to put out a fucking podcast. I got to make myself seem like I'm not a complete gremlin just sitting in a garage playing video games. I got to I got to make it have some sort of semblance of entertainment, uh, a flair of showmanship. You know, I don't want to do all that shit. I just want to make TikToks of, wow, that's a big lizard that came from a different place than where you are. Whoa. Have you ever seen a parrot? Oh, you know, <laughs> like that kind of shit. That's what I miss. You know what? You know what? Hey, guys, podcast is over. I'm just going to go and become a carny. I'm just going to leave my life and go travel with the circus. And maybe I can meet the star of today's episode. We are talking about Tales from the Crypt, Season 2, Episode 14, Lower Birth. Aired July 3rd, 1990. This episode is about a guy who really needs a new act and the horrific abilities that the power of love can bestow onto people. But it's mostly about the uh, little cameo at the end, which is probably why this was a uh, this was one of the weaker episodes of the season. Um, uh, it. It was all just kind of like leading up to one little story beat in the end, which is it, it just made the whole thing like, oh, OK, like I see what's going on here. And like, ah, this is kind of weird, but not not really much substance because there was it was just kind of, ah, well, we're just going to tell, like, some weird story in order to kind of tie it all back into this dumb little thing that we wanted to do. This this dumb little joke that we wanted to make. Um, so, not nothing really happens in the episode. Um, they, there's, there's great effects, and I think really what's most interesting about... Uh, this one in particular is that uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a family affair, and uh, you'll see what I'm talking about once we get into the top five credits. Ladies and gentlemen, hold on to your hats as we get into the top five credits of the episode. So number five is Kevin Yeager. Kevin Yeager, the director of this episode, and only one other thing. And normally for the top five, uh, here's a little peek into the method of a 
podcast master. But normally on the top five, um, I generally look for the other things that the person did within kind of like the confines of what they did for the episode. So uh, Kevin Yeager worked on a bunch of other stuff too, but he's only directed one other thing other than this episode, which is Hellraiser 4. <laughs> um, I, you know, there's so many Hellraiser movies, and, uh, you know, I, I think... I think the general consensus is that it dropped off very heavily after the first one, once they were just like, ah, well, it's all about Cenobites. I know that the first one was about, like, a lady and her favorite corpse, but now the rest of the movies are just, like, someone finds the box, and then Cenobites just start showing up to fuck their whole life up. Uh, so, it, it's been a long time since I've watched any Hellraiser movie other than the first one. Uh, so, I don't really know how 4 falls in the, uh, in the annals of Hellraiser history. Honestly, Kevin is mostly on the top 5 list today because of sheer Hollywood nepotism. And we'll, we'll get into the reason why in just a little bit. Number four is Mark Rolston. Mark Rolston plays Dr. Crane in this. Um, so a lot of, you know, a lot of one-shot episodes, just like a lot of the people that we talk about in the top five credits, a lot of one episodes of a lot of things. But when he's got big roles, they're pretty big roles. Uh, he's in a lot of games Actually, when I looked into it, I was like, oh, this guy is actually part of some pretty huge games and some pretty, like, solid main roles. I mean, this dude is Norman Osborn in the Spider-Man game. In the new, in the 2018 Spider-Man game, this guy was Osborn. I mean, he wasn't Green Goblin in this, but... He was, he was still a pretty heavy part of the story. Uh, he's the president in The Division. He's not in Division 2, but in the first one. He's also Deathstroke. He's Slade Wilson in all of the Arkham games. Anytime there was an Arkham Asylum game or anything like that, and Deathstroke was involved, Mark Rolston was behind the mic. So, I mean, any any fans of, what was it, Arkham Asylum, like, Blackwatch on the PSP, where it was, it was just Batman versus Deathstroke, and then, like, everything after that, this is the guy. He also plays Lex Luthor in a couple of things in, uh, oh, in Young Justice. Any, any uh, of the Young Justice stuff, this guy's Lex Luthor. So, you know, he, he gets around in the, in the nerd spheres. Number three is a family man. We, we've been talking about Hollywood nepotism so far, and we actually talked about it a little bit a couple of episodes ago. But number three is Louis Arquette, the patriarch of the Arquette family. Uh, we had Patricia in, uh, in Four-Sided Triangle, and now he's here. I wonder if David Arquette is going to show up in, 
any of these episodes. More than likely, we got two out of however fucking many there are. They're like the Wayans. They're just all over the place. Aside from that, um, he's been in a bunch of stuff throughout TV history. He's just been all over the place. Um, you might recognize him as the priest in Little Nicky, the, the one that gets taken over. He's like, yes, everyone should sin <laughs> in one of the funniest sequences of that movie. He's in that. He also, w- this was really cool that I found out. Uh, he also does a lot of voices in Miyazaki stuff. This guy is, he, he does additional voices in Kiki's Delivery Service and Princess Mononoke, and in the non-Miyazaki side, he also did voices for Akira, which is just fantastic. I, I fucking love it. Anyone who had anything to do with Akira, you're one of my favorites. I'm on your side forever. Number two is our writer, Fred Decker, who, aside from writing some stuff that people definitely know, like... This guy's the writer of RoboCop 3. Uh, I never saw RoboCop 3. I stopped after 2. I don't know I don't know um, how 3 holds up against the rest of them. Uh, he also wrote the newest Predator movie, the 2018 one, which I also haven't seen because I'm still kind of in the middle of my Aliens and Predator movie watch binge thing. And... He's the writer of Monster Squad. That's right. He's He showed the world that Wolfman's got nards. But he's been left off of the top five in a couple of episodes because he's also the writer of a few Tales from the Crypt episodes. It, it wasn't just this one. He also did um, He also did our second episode and All Through the House. He did Only Sin Deep. And in this season... He actually also wrote The Thing from the Grave. Uh, he's also the writer on the House movies, which I never saw. And don't get it confused with Hausu, the Japanese horror movie where just like some girl's head is chasing people around in a house. I, I don't remember. I, I just remember there's a head that came out of a well and all sorts of nonsense in that movie. Go watch it. It's amazing. Uh, but he wrote the movies House and House 2, The Second Story, which I I didn't really know what these movies were. I think I've seen... No, I've only seen the poster of House. I didn't actually know what it was about, but I watched the trailer when I was looking into him, and it looks pretty ridiculous. So that might be something on my list to watch before October ends. And our top credit for today is our special effects designer, the creator of Enoch and Myrna, Chris Yeager. Chris Yeager. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because his brother is number five on the top five credits today. Another brother of his is actually also Enoch himself. So we got the whole we got the whole Yeager clan on this episode we got kevin chris and jeff so you know this this whole episode is just about family but chris's credits are actually pretty extensive and huge 
Uh, this guy is a just celebrated special effects director, and honestly, I need to I need to look more into his stuff because this dude did the special effects for Starship Troopers. Like, come on, Starship Troopers. Aeon Flux, which I'm pretty sure that the special effects are the best thing about that movie because there's not much else to it. Uh, Series of Unfortunate Events. Um, he did Face Off. Come on. He he did Faceless Nicolas Cage. Awesome. He also did Child's Play 2 and 3 and all of the Bill and Ted movies, even the new one, which even though I talked about it a little bit ago, I still haven't gone out and seen. I haven't I haven't uh, actually watched it, but I still really want to. So that is our top five today. And now on to the main attraction. Everybody, everybody, step right up. Come and see nature's most terrifying freak, the podcast host. Come one, come all, as he talks about Season 2, Episode 14, Lower Birth. So the episode starts with Crypt Keeper, uh, and he's got a little baby doll, and he's talking about how cute it is, while he lifts up a hammer to just bash it in. And listen, I never thought that the Crypt Keeper was uh, gonna be much of a family man, and this just proves it. Honestly, I would be absolutely sickened if I, if any of these episodes in this show are just like, ah, here's the Crypt Keeper's kids and wife. I'd throw up all over this microphone. You know, I they, they say that cuteness is, is like, linked to violence that's why you want to like squeeze like little animals because they're so adorable but if you're just gonna break out the hammer immediately uh god it just just the absolute worst piece of shit the episode itself opens up in opens up on the big top yes ah oh, so much so much merriment in the air all these people just throwing nickels at carnies to have a ride on a spinning wheel that's powered by children. It's just it's just little children just like running around a Ferris wheel, like grabbing it, you know, like they like you used to do on the playground. It's just it's just for adults to enjoy that. And, you know, there's there's uh tortured animals in small cages not like a zoo all right and in, in a zoo they have a little habitat these are just ah put them on the train when they're done they're just gonna leave them in a dark box until we get to the next city uh they you know it's it's a carnival uh you hear the barker doing the thing come one come on ah uh they, and he he uh tells them all about all of the attractions. He's like, we've got a fat lady. What? Look at her. You're not this fat. Holy shit. How could this happen to anyone? Whoa, what an attraction. And, and hey, we got midgets. Look at them. They're smaller than you. Whoa. You know, but it's, it's just regular carny shit. But the star of the show is Enoch the two-faced man 
And while the Barker is going on about the show and everything, uh, you see just some mystery man in a black suit watching the show. And watching him is Enoch, the two-faced man! Uh, he He's just like peering out from a little curtain and you can kind of see the other face. And he's uh, watching what's going on outside and he gets interrupted by his owner, I guess you would call him. He's the guy that keeps him in the cage. Uh, Sickles shows up and he just starts yelling at him. And he's just like, ah, you're naughty. What are you doing out of your cage? And he just starts hitting him with a whip and shit. And he gets thrown back into the cage before the show starts. Uh, so it begins and he's like pulling the curtains like, yeah. So the, the fat lady just, it's just like a weird shot where she's laughing at you. Like that chick from, uh, Pee Wee's big adventure, the trucker chick. There's like, ah, 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 ah. just weird and creepy. And, uh, they get to Enoch and it's just, it's just him sitting in a cage Everybody's just, oh, oh, God, he's so horrible. And he's, like, hiding his face, and he's all sad. So he obviously just hates every day of his existence. And after the show, Feely comes up, and he's like, hey, you're supposed to have that dude in his cage by the time the curtain's up. And, you know, Sickles, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Feely, blah, blah, blah. Like, it won't happen again. He's like, yeah, it won't happen again, because if it does... You and Enoch are fucking out of here. And Sickles gets all bristled about this. He's like, man, you don't have a show without us. <laughs> and Mr. Feely, Mr. Feely just, oh, yeah, I don't have a show, huh? I already know that Enoch's going to die soon. So you are, you're already about to not have a show for me. So, you know, we're just going to keep this going as long as it goes. All right, dude, don't fucking stand here and talk to me about how to run my circus all right you're over here bribing doctors to make sure that i won't find out but i'm the ringmaster bitch i know everything <laughs> um so after that sickles uh <laughs> sickles just goes off and just takes all of his anger out on enoch just starts beating the shit out of him and in the shadows that mystery man is still watching so Sickles goes back to his little shack and he's about to eat dinner and the mystery man is just in his in his little shack. Uh, he he takes him by surprise and he's like, oh, I see you prefer a lower birth. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, he said the thing. So uh, he's in there because he wants to talk to Sickles about a new exhibit. Uh, he heard about his little argument and he's like, Hey, I got a way for you to keep it going after Enoch is gone, you know? And he tells him that he won a mummy uh, in a card game with an archeologist, like a, a full ass mummy. It's just his now because listen, listen, when it, when it comes to high stakes poker matches, all right, yeah, some people, they lose everything when they go to the casinos and stuff. They're just like, oh, man, I had to bet my house playing cards, blah, blah, blah. When you get to the real, real tiers 
of the real-ass poker games, more exotic things have to be set up. Just like, uh, oh, you've got a mansion? Huh, I don't want that mansion. You, you say that you found a 6,000-year-old meteorite that crashed into a radioactive lake and then... Uh, suddenly, after that, people were talking about skinwalkers all over the place? Yes, that's what I want. You can keep your stupid Maserati. So he goes over the backstory of the mummy. Uh, she was a slave girl, and she was killed, buried alive, because the pharaoh wanted to fuck, and she didn't. Because, you know, it, that's... It, listen, this is also what the kinds of people who play in these rich, high-stakes poker games do. Like pharaohs and businessmen and leaders of state, they'll just be like, ah, I'm surrounded by, like, models and all these fucking, like, hot-ass chicks, and they're also rich and shit, but you know what? Ooh, who's this, like, random barmaid? Yeah, I'm gonna fuck her and then be a piece of shit and ruin her life, because that's what I'm into. I've got too much money for regular sex. And he offers Sickles a 60-40 split of the, of the profit from the show in order to just have him do it but sickles is like mm, i don't know about all this like what are you playing at you're over here saying that you're a gambling man huh what's your angle and the dude his name is crane by the way dr crane crane tells him that he's gotta he's gotta keep a low profile right now you know like he's he's out here running card tables and shit so people are looking for him and Sickles sees this crazy necklace on her and uh, asks about that. But Crane says that it's just a prop. It's just plastic jewelry or whatever. So Sickles accepts the deal and they drink on it. And, like, it, Sickles, the, the funniest thing in, in this episode is Sickles' face when he accepts this drink. He's like, oh, don't mind if I do. <laughs> it just drinks it all weird. And it's like, I was like, what the fuck is your problem, dude? I know alcoholics, and no one is that excited about the alcohol that they drink. So this guy is just, I don't know what his deal is. So they the deal is made, and hey, the exhibit is a success. Everybody loves it. The Mr. Feely is just raking in money just ah yes hey everybody come see the egyptian mommy and people love it uh, you even david cronenberg is standing in the audience there's there's just like a shot of some audience people enjoying themselves in some weird tall old ass looking cronenberg looking motherfuckers over there and i was like wait a minute is, is this a cameo <laughs> um but you know Enoch and her are now the stars of the show. So they're pretty much side by side. Curtains going up on both of them. Enoch, Myrna, Enoch, Myrna, day after day after day. And Enoch is just, you, you just see him in his cage just looking at her. Just, oh, oh, Myrna. And just, you know, falling in love with a weird dried ass mummy. 
So time passes, and like I said, the both both exhibits are amazing, along with crazy, exotic attractions such as a small kangaroo. Wow. Um, but Enoch is, he's sleeping, he's resting, and I really like it. Ugh. You, you can see, this is why I said that the effects are really good, because the, the whole two-face, uh, effect that they have for Enoch is pretty decent. You can see, like, the eyes and the lips move of the other one, and they just look all, like, monstrous, and it's, it's pretty freaky. So you you really see it in this scene while he's sleeping. You can see like the mouth twitch and shit. But he wakes up and there's just a little girl standing in front of his cage, just staring at him. And he tries to hide his face, but you know she's nice. She's she's just hanging out. She's like, oh hey, what's going on, man? Like you're cool. This is interesting. I'm a child. I don't have the prejudices of the of the adult life. And. They kind of become friends a little bit, so he asks her to show him Myrna. He, he's like, oh, Myrna, Myrna, get Myrna. And um, she does it. Look, it's like the 1860s or whatever, all right? Child labor laws are very lax. You can get a kid to do whatever. Who who gives a shit? And you're just like, ah, little Jimmy, go, go buy me. Go buy me a carton of cigarettes and a whole keg of fucking moonshine. Bring it on over here. I'll give you I'll give you eight cents. And the little kid's just like, okay, golly gosh gee. And he just runs off. So the little girl little girl pulls back the curtain and he's just like, oh yes, Myrna. And she gets called away by her mom, so she she's holding a doll, and she goes over to Enoch, and he, she gives him the doll, and then she takes off. And then after that, Sickles comes back, and he's already pissed. He already walks in there. He's like, "You're you've been bad, Enoch." And it's like, "What what even happened? Did the chick's mom complain or something? It was it was the little girl's fault. She was walking around. Why is it Enoch's fault?" But he sees the doll, and he tries to take it from him, but Enoch, Enoch's not having it. This is his precious gift. He snarls at uh, Sickles, and Sickles just, uh, what's that? It's a baby doll? You, you want a family? You want a normal life? You fucking disgusting piece of shit! Uh, and he's just grilling Enoch, I mean, it's the easiest thing in the world. He's not getting points for it. But he sees a newspaper clipping on the ground in Enoch's cage. And it's about a priceless mummy that was stolen from Egypt. And it looks a lot like Myrna. Looks a lot like the mummy that they've been showing to people all day, every day. So he goes and he confronts Crane. He pulls him aside. He, Crane was playing cards with the little guys and he's just like ah bro we need to fucking talk you come over here into this uh into this tent so we can have some privacy and he grabs some pruning shears as he goes in like i what, what is he gonna just straight up murder this dude for for selling him a, a stolen mummy like what are you gonna do dude so kane gives him the rundown 
uh, yes, it's a stolen mummy, all right? Uh, he, he, I, it doesn't go into how he got it, but he stole it off of, like, a ship or something like that. And he did it so that he could get to that necklace, but he reveals that there's a curse on the necklace. Because if anyone tries to take the necklace, then they lose their dick. It's a very specific curse. It's just like, all right, so, yeah. If you, somebody, I had someone try and get this necklace, and his fucking dick got cut straight off. I, it's, it's the weirdest thing. Some people, you know, some mummy curses will just, like, dry you out and, like, leave you in a corner, like, in the ring. And then other mummy curses will just, like, bring, like, a biblical plague on your whole bullshit. But now this one, just, uh, a mummy will just uppercut your dick straight off of your body if you touch her necklace. <laughs> and Sickles, Sickles gets a nice little dig in there. He's like, oh, so... If someone takes the family jewels, then you lose the family jewels. And he's got the shears. <laughs> he's like cutting next to this dude's dick. He's like, yeah, I get it, fool. Stop. Get those away from me. Um, but Sickles doesn't give a shit. He's like, yeah, I'll fucking take my chances. That's fine. But Crane stops him. He's like, no, you don't understand. And then he swings him around and the shears accidentally stab Crane in the stomach. But he takes it like a champ, you know. He's just like, "Oh, God, I, how I can't believe you've done this." <laughs> uh, and yeah, so Sickles is now a murderer. So he's he's gotta skip town. Uh, the next scene is just him in, you know, he doing doing the classic trope where he's got his hat and his trench coat and his briefcase. And he's like, "Oh, gotta go," <laughs> and. He brings in the shears to Enoch's cage and opens the cage and throws the shears in there. He's like, oh, wow, I can't believe that you killed Crane like that. What a what a naughty boy you are, Enoch. But before he leaves, he's getting that necklace. So he goes for it and he's like wrestling the necklace off of Myrna. And Enoch is clearly upset. He's just, no, please, no. And Sickles gets the necklace off of him. And Enoch grabs the shears secretly. He doesn't know. So as soon as Sickles turns around, he's like, "Yeah, well, you get. You know what? You guys are really made for each other. <laughs> you bunch of fucking freaks." And then <laughs> Enoch is just there, and he just cuts his dick straight off with the shears. <laughs> and when he does that, it actually wakes Myrna up. the The curse has been fulfilled, and Myrna's been brought back to life with the dick blood of the men oh god you you know what fucking is this the world that feminists want just mummy women cutting off dicks for power Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> um <laughs> and so they take off next show you know everything's normal they're about to present it and then Curtain opens, Enoch's gone. Feely's all pissed. He's like, oh, what the fuck? Ugh, whatever. Whatever. Uh, don't even worry about it, folks. We've got a mummy. Curtain opens, and it's just Sickles' dead body with the shears in his chest, <laughs> fucking in the sarcophagus. And Eric's like, oh, murder! Murder! And it skips 
to a year later. So after that, a couple of cops come to the carnival and they say that they're looking for Feely. And he's like, oh, hey, what's up, man? Uh, do you guys need something from me? Everything's up to date on my end. They're just like, no, don't even worry about it. Uh, remember last year when you were here and like the dude got murdered and Enoch and Myrna got stolen or whatever, whatever happened there. He's like, yeah, I, I remember all that. That sucked. <laughs> well, you know what? I think that you, I think we found something that you might be interested in. So they go to a cave and the cop tells him that a local boy found a weird cave and you already know that it was kind of weird because there are like steps carved into the cave. Like I, I, I highly doubt that Enoch was a fucking, was a rock worker. You know, I don't think that he was able to construct this nice cave. So it already had to be like a livable cave when he went in there, unless Myrna taught him ancient Egyptian secrets as to how they sanded down rocks in, in like limestone in caves in order to make tombs and shit. But I highly doubt it. So some boy just found a weird livable cave and what they find in there is Enoch and Myrna just all cuddled up on a weird bed in an alcove and it's got like blankets and shit there's like food there's like tables and cups and shit in there it's just like what is this cave you didn't make this i know you didn't <laughs> but uh it's it's just too disgusting so everybody takes off as as you should and what they don't notice is in the way corner of the room there's a little baby. Aw. Myrna and Enoch had a little baby. That the disgusting image that now, now that I had to think about it, you all have to think about a two-headed weird fucking ogre guy and a 4,000-year-old mummy with the world's driest pussy just having a disgusting, noseless child and turns out that baby is the host of our show, the Crypt Keeper himself. It's really, ugh, it's really gross. But that's that's the whole joke of the episode, is that they were just building up to that. Which is why it's just like, uh, I don't know, uh, weird two-headed guy falls in love with a mummy and they fuck. Uh, yeah, yep, that's gonna be the whole thing. And then, hey, it's the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> uh, so the episode ends with the Crypt Keeper blowing his nose and blubbering all over the place. He's like, ah, ah, it was, it's such a, such a touching story. I always love remembering that one. And, uh, you know, the mummy was his mommy the whole time. So it's <laughs> just... Just so gross and stupid. But that's the episode for today. And it's, uh, it's actually, so, I was surprised that this is, like, the canon 
backstory of the Crypt Keeper because they didn't just make this shit up for the show. No, they had they had some basis to go on. So let's talk about that right now in Comic versus Show. Source material for this episode today came from Tales from the Crypt number 33. And of course, it is a Crypt Keeper story because it's about him. Um, there are a few differences in the comic itself. First off, in the comic, Myrna was already part of the show. She's the, like, star attraction of the show. That's, like, that's the biggest pull of Feely's show. And there's a different character. She's owned by Dr. Kling, who's the guy who found her, instead of Crane. Uh, Kling's already there, and he does his whole thing, like, explaining Myrna and everything. Uh, in this, she was, uh, like a handmaiden for the Pharaoh's wife, and then the Pharaoh tried to fuck her, and she's like, no. So, you know, she got mummified. Uh, the, the next thing is that, so Sickles is part of it still, but he takes on more of the role of Crane. Uh, he's Dr. Sickles in this. And his whole thing, he shows up to the show and he's like, hey, I've got an attraction for you. I'm a local doctor and I found some old crone who needed my help. And so I went up there to her to her cave. She she lived in a cave and I saw her son, who was a horrible two faced boy. And so I tried to treat him, but he died in my arms. So I just put his body on ice. I just like fucking preserved his body and now i just have it so you know you could have it if uh if you want to pay me for it and of course feely's just like fuck yeah i want that holy shit that's awesome so uh they get they get to share billing now cling and sickles are sharing the spotlight um and it's myrna and enoch the, those are the two rising stars but they're kind of pitted against each other because Feely is just like, oh, yeah, well, Enoch makes me more money. So, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, you guys are now, I'm lowering your pay, Kling, and I'm going to raise Sickles' pay. And then you guys are going to both be at even pay. So I don't have to pay anyone that much. Uh, but Enoch gets more and more popular and it's still the same thing. It's like, oh, the they've been seeing each other for so long that, like, they fell in love even when they were dead. But Myrna gets moved out to another part of the carnival because Enoch's so popular. And Feely's just like, all right, Kling, like, whatever, bro. Like, now you're getting even lower pay and you're not going to be in, like, the main section. You're going to be out front to just get people in so they can see Enoch. And he's all pissed about that. But uh, aside from their, you know, clout wars down there, uh, Enoch and Myrna are just missing each other. And they're both dead. In the comic, they're both dead. Enoch is not a, Enoch is not a living two-faced man who falls in love with a mummy. They are both two dead bodies of spectacle that are just right next to each other 
and then when they get moved away from each other, all of a sudden, they just come to life in order to be with each other. And that's the that's the whole thing. They're just like, oh, yeah. Well, they stopped seeing each other because their, their attractions weren't put right next to each other. So they both just got out of their fucking... She climbed out of her tomb, and he climbed out of the vat of formaldehyde that he just floats in all the time. And uh, they just took off. So in the morning, Kling, Feely, and Sickles are just like, oh, what happened? Like, you stole my shit. No, you stole my shit. Oh, wait, hold on. There's a trail of, like, mummy wrappings and formaldehyde over here. And they follow it to a justice of the peace. You know, uh, uh, I don't think that we have justice of the peace anymore. I think it now it's just uh, a minister or something. But they they talk to him and he's like, oh, yeah, there was a wedding here just like last night. Like, it was it was great. I just did it for him. And uh, Feely and them are just like, uh, so and you didn't notice anything like weird about the music. Like, How could I? I'm blind. So he just he just got someone married. He that's that's how he makes his business. You just give him money. I'm how does he even know? He's like, oh, yeah. Uh, $5 and I, I got them married. I didn't ask any questions. Five bucks is five bucks. It's paper money. How do you know that no one just gave you a dollar to, to get them married? Like, you don't know. But then they disappear. The time skip is the same. It's one year later, but the cop doesn't show up in this. Instead, like, some prospector... <laughs> Shows up. It's just like some old man in pajamas <laughs> in long johns. And he's just like, oh, you know, I heard about some strange goings on in the old Crone's cave. People have been saying that all sorts of weird things have been happening over there. But I don't know. It's just hearsay. But you want me to take you up there so we can look? And <laughs> so they all go back to the old Crone's cave and they find them there. It's It's the same. It's the same shit. They're just like huddled and they're you know and they're in love and it's disgusting but in the comic uh the carnies actually just like drag them away and they're just like oh yes great we found our we found our exhibits time to put them back into the carnival and uh and then after that it's like yeah they they left and they just didn't hear the shrieks of a disgusting freak baby so it's still it's still the crypt keepers origin story which is really funny because i thought that they would do something like that in like way later seasons i i don't know if they thought that season two was gonna be the only season they were gonna do after season one or if they were just like we gotta pack everything we can into the second season and who knows what we're gonna do about the third season and on we'll just we'll just do it all here but that is that is the comic for this week. So that means that we only have one more thing left to do, which is the Shriek of the Week. So the Shriek of the Week this week, I have been playing a lot of a new game. Well, it's not that new. It is actually pretty brand new. But Ghost of Tsushima 
the uh, game of the year so far, at least in my eyes. Uh, pff, you're, you're, listen, 2020, you're not going to beat Ghost of Tsushima when it comes to just gaming legends. But they just came out with a free update that adds a multiplayer mode, and it's really cool. It's all about, like, demons and... Tengu and Oni and shit and everyone's like ghosts and zombies and you gotta go through and you're just a samurai and you're just cutting zombies in half and you're running away from demons that are like shooting flaming birds at you and shit. It's awesome. I love it. They they took the perfect game and they made it even more perfect and you can play with your friends. Get Ghost of Tsushima if you have a PlayStation it's amazing. That's all I have to say about it. I'm going to be streaming a bunch of it, so come check out the Twitch page. In fact, you can follow me on Twitter and on Twitch at CJDamoka. That's C-J-D-A-M-O-C-H-A. We're going to be playing a lot of Ghost of Tsushima, um, trying to get a crew together so we can just have the Samurai Oni killing squad out. And it's going to be a fun time. So if you have a PlayStation, add me at the same place and let's play. All right, folks, that is it for me. I will talk to you next week. And until the next time you hear the sound of my voice, I need you to stay spooky.